Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, outreach of Greater Worship Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enos, along with Chippy the Chipmunk. Oh, my adoring fans. Get ready for a huge dose of reality and a huge dose of common sense. You said it, brother. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We're back. I am so glad that you tuned in. I'm so glad that you are with me. I know that we're not physically in the same room, but just the fact that you can hear my voice and that at least from some of you I hear from you, it's just a good thing. We're connecting on many different levels and in ways that sometimes we just can't, we don't understand at least fully at the moment, but we do connect. So thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to listening and for supporting. When I say support, we don't ask for any financial support, at least not yet, ladies and gentlemen, but you support me with your prayers, with your letters, with your comments, your emails and such. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. I do appreciate each and every one of you for that. Even those that I haven't heard from on the analytics page, of course, I know I've said this before, but this shows a map. And this map highlights and lights up the the places where people are listening and literally the globe is beginning to uh, glow because of all the listeners around the world that are listening it just it's it's amazing to me when i look at that every time i look i was just looking at it earlier and it just gets brighter and brighter every time i look at it so again thank you thank you thank you thank you you have no idea how much i appreciate each and every one of you even those of you who may not agree with me i do thank you for tuning in because this is what i love about our first amendment and what the united states of america is supposed to be we can have opposing ideas we can debate we can talk we can even argue as long as it doesn't get violent ladies and gentlemen But we can have these discussions. I can listen to you. You can listen to me. And then we can form our own opinions on these matters and these issues. So thank you again. I so appreciate you. I want to tell you um, what has become, at least to me, a funny story. It wasn't funny at the moment, but has become a funny story because it has a little bit to do with what I want to share with you today. Many, 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 many years ago, I had this, this dog... His name was Bruno. My family will tell you that Bruno was uh, probably the greatest dog on the planet. He was just a fantastic dog all the way around. He was a big dog. I believe the last time I weighed him, or when I weighed him, he was almost 140 pounds, just under 140 pounds. He was just a big, mellow, awesome, cuddly teddy bear of a dog. The kids could literally jump on his back and ride him. They could pull his ears, they can wrestle with him, and he was great with the kids, great with the family, great with everybody. The only time he ever barked at anybody, which was scary at 140 pounds, was when there was some serious people with some serious issues. I don't understand how dogs do it, but they have that, if you will, that sixth sense or that sense um, to know who to trust and who not to trust. And I always trusted him. So if he barked at somebody, I knew that there was somebody wrong with that dog. That dog uh, truly was like family. He lived in the house. He slept up on the couch. It was funny. We'd have friends over for the evening, and we could be sitting around chatting, sitting on the couch, drinking our coffee, chatting, having a good good time. And about 10 o'clock every night, that was Bruno's bedtime, self-imposed, by the way. And he would, no matter who was on the couch, he would walk over and sit and stare at him. He he didn't do anything aggressive. He would just stare at him like, uh, excuse me, you're in my space. That's my couch. That's my bed. That's where I sleep, and it's bedtime. And if they ignored him or they didn't get up and move, he would inch his way. Even if there was only two inches between that person and the next person, he would move in between them, put one paw up. If they still didn't get the hint, he would then put the next paw up. If they didn't, still didn't get the hint, he would step one back leg up. If they still didn't get the hint, he would step the next back leg up. So now you have this 140-pound dog in between these two people that may literally be only two to three inches wide, and he'll squeeze in there. If they still didn't get the hint that he wanted to go to bed and they were in his spot, then he would just like wiggle his way in and 
push them and eventually be laying on top of them. Good night. <laughs> it was the funniest thing to watch. So when we had people over for the first time and we start noticing this, we wouldn't say anything. We would just sit back and laugh as as our guests had this huge dog just end up laying on him. What's this dog doing? Oh, by the way, we forgot to tell you, you're sitting on his bed. <laughs> well, what is he doing? Well, he's trying to tell you to get out of his bed so he can go to sleep. And uh, anyways, he was just the greatest dog that we ever had. And uh, now we have little Mambo. And Mambo's a really, 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 really great dog on pretty much the same level as Bruno. But I think the thing that made Br Bruno was so special beyond just his own characteristics was the fact that we had four children, three of them little when Bruno was around, that uh, he protected, he loved, they loved him. Uh, he was literally one of the family. So when... Bruno got so sick that um, we had to take measures to put him out of his misery. Everybody was crushed. Everybody was crushed in the family. And we still talk about Bruno. He's so special. But I want to tell you just a... Like I said, this story has become a funny story for me. Um, but at the moment, it wasn't funny. So one day, we lived in a rural, rural area at the time. And it was pouring down rain. Where we're at, it doesn't rain much, but often when it does rain, it just pours. It was pouring down rain. It had been pouring down all morning. I believe it was a Saturday, but nonetheless, there's a knock on the door. Go to the door, and I answer the door, and there's the, the dog catcher from the pound. Uh, animal control, I should say. Animal control. This lady was in her yellow, um, um, like, rain gear. And standing, she was standing on her little patio, but it wasn't that big, and she was still getting hit with water. But she had rain gear on. She says, I'm here because I understand you got a dog. And, of course, Bruno walks to the door and sits down and looks at her. Oh, no, ma'am, I don't have a dog. Well, I did. I didn't lie. Yeah, yeah, I have a dog. Why? And she says, well, I'm here to make sure that he's current on his tags. She knew we weren't current on our tag. Okay. And? Well, uh, if you're not current on your tags, you can't prove that you're current on your tags. Uh, it's got to be $58. I said, $58 for a tag? What do I get for that tag? And she goes, oh, you get this little metal thing that you can put on his collar. I said, $58 and I get this little metal thing? I can go down and have one made for like, what, 5 bucks or $10? I think at the time, they're only like 5 or 6 bucks. She goes, well, 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 but it's the law. And I go, okay, great, whatever. What do I get for it? She goes, I don't understand what you mean. She said, uh, you know, you pay this, and, and if your dog gets picked up, if he gets out and he gets picked up, we give you a call because we have his tag. I said, yeah, but if, if my dog gets out and I don't find him, you know, in a few hours or maybe a day, I know to go to the pound and look for him. I don't need you to call me for $58. Uh, I can just drive over there and get him. So what do I really get? For my $58 for doing this. Uh, she says, uh, 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 I, I, I really don't under, understand what you mean. I said, well, are you going to come by and pick up his poop? Oh, no, we don't do that. Are you going to feed him? No, we don't do that. Are you going to groom him? Well, no. Are you going to take care of his medical bills? Take him to the vet when he needs his shots or whatever he needs? Are you going to take care of that? No, that's not our job. So what do I get for that $58 and that tag? Uh, uh, sir, I'm just doing my job. And I said, okay, but you should be ashamed of yourself. Go get another job. That's ridiculous. I said, this is the United States of America. This is my dog in my house. I'm paying for him. I'm feeding him. I'm clothing him. Not that he needed clothes, but you understand what I mean. I'm taking care of everything. I pick up his poop. If he gets out, I go look for him. And now you're demanding that I, that I pay you so you can tell me I can have this dog. Well, that's the way it works, sir. So out of complete frustration, my wife comes to the door to save this poor woman. And she starts writing out a check for $58. Oh, and by the way, she says, I noticed that you don't have concrete in front of the gate over here. I said, yes, yeah, so? Well, you have to have concrete there. I said, why? Because you have a dog. So now you're telling me, you're forcing me to pay money to put concrete in a place I don't want concrete. And I also noticed that you don't have a dog house for him. I said, well, he's an indoor dog. He doesn't need a dog house outside. But you still have to have a doghouse. Why would I need to have a doghouse when the whole house is his house?
The whole house is the dog house. He sleeps on that couch right over there. He eats out of those bowls inside right over there. He drinks water out of that bowl right over there. Sorry, sir. He still needs a doghouse. So now you're forcing me not only to pay you money, but I'm paying you money so that you can demand that I do these certain things so that I can have this dog. Yes, sir. That's just the way it works. I said, you guys, what is this? Communist China or something? Come on. Give me a break. This is ridiculous. I said, this is my dog, not your dog, not the state's dog, not the city's dog, not the county's dog. This is my dog. I will say if he needs concrete. I'll say if he needs a house. I'll say when he does or does not get fed. I'll say that. Anyways, my wife's just saying, Rob, shut up, shut up. Writing out the check, mainly just to get rid of this woman so they don't find anything else we have to pay money to do when this dog actually has a better life than um, it otherwise would on listening to and obeying their rules. But I said all that to say this, not so much about dogs. <laughs> and please, I'm not trying to put our dogs on the same level as children. But I want to, <laughs> I was using that as a backdrop to talk about our children. Because the reality of it is, as foolish as all that nonsense is when it comes to our animals, to our dog, do you know what? It, it even gets worse when it comes to our children? Mainly because they're our children. They're not our furry kids. They're not dogs. They, you know, things that they are, are flesh and blood children. And the state, the state of California, wants even more control over your children than the dog pound does over our dogs. I want to read to you a couple of things. One, this is just very short. This was sent to me earlier today from my daughter-in-law who uh, has been fighting this nonsense at the school boards and such for some time and doing an excellent job. But let me... Uh, read this to you. Let me try to bring this up here. Jeez. Okay, this was sent to me. AB, and this is a, a, a bill that the California legislator just voted on and brought through the state Senate. It says AB 957 passes Senate. Now, AB 957, in a nutshell, is it says this. This will change family code and force a judge to remove custody from the non- gender-affirming parent during a custody dispute. It now goes back to the assembly floor for a quick vote. For a quick vote. So the Senate in California passed AB 957 that forces, doesn't just give the judge, but forces the judge that if mom and dad are no longer together and they're fighting for custody of Junior, and Junior says... Hey, uh, mom, dad, I think I'm a girl. Let's say mom says, oh, that's okay. I'm good with that. Let's put you in a dress and some makeup. Dad comes along and says, no, that's not healthy. That's mental, emotional illness. I don't buy that. It forces the judge in this case to strip the rights of the father to his son and give all those rights to the mother who would put her son in a dress. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just using all that as, as you know, an, an example. It doesn't necessarily mean that moms and moms only will put their sons in dresses because the roles could be reversed. We know that. If dad says, oh yeah, Junior, I'm okay with you being in a dress. Mom says, absolutely not. My boy is a boy. Well, the mom would be stripped of all parental rights and dad would have all the parental rights in that situation. This is where we're going with this, ladies and gentlemen. There's many bills coming up in the Senate, California Senate, that they are voting on and they're arguing about that want to take away the rights of parents and give those rights to the state. And if you don't believe me, look at some of these bills that are coming up. And I'm not going to get in, uh, really any deeper into the bills other than this one, just to make a point. Mainly because I still want to have a guest on, uh, Pastor Abraham, who's really sharp. He studies this. He gets, he gets to know all the bills, what they're all about. And he educates people on what's really happening in California, in, in the Senate, and these bills and such. So I'm going to have him come on because he can speak with a gr much greater authority on these things than I could. I'm just telling you the very little bit that I know. And it's very disturbing. Which leads me to this uh, article from the Daily Wire. And this is in their opinion page. Now, I chose to read this to you and discuss this, even though it's somebody's opinion, because I tend to agree with this opinion. 
And although it says opinion, it's not merely just opinion. It's fact. There's, it, it's, it's an opinion based in fact and laced with fact. Okay? And that's why I wanted to bring this out. Um, so, here we go. Uh, this opinion piece from Daily Wire, and it's entitled, Why Every State Needs to Protect a Parent's Right to Be Involved at School. And this is by Matt Sharp, again, of the Daily Wire. And when was this published? I don't see I don't see a date when it was published, so I'm just going to leave it at that. But Matt Sharp of Daily Wire, why every state needs to protect a parent's right to be involved at school. And it says, the public school supply list includes everything a kid could possibly need. Glue sticks, sharpened pencils, Kleenex, hand sanitizer, highlighters and erasers, band-aids and snacks but what the long inventory of required items does not include is the thing every child needs most his parents to be notified and involved in what's happening in his life now i just want to stop right there for just a moment because this really hit me on something when i was reading this that the schools give parents a list of items that they need to send with their child when they send them to school, so that child will have those items to be able to use in the classroom. And according to this uh, list, you know, such things as glue sticks, pencils, Kleenex, hand sanitizer, highlighters, erasers, band-aids, band-aids, and snacks. Now, it's interesting to me that the state of California, the school districts and the schools, want parents to fit the bill for their child's education even sending um, pencils with the child, the school doesn't provide them, at least typically. But at the same time, they're trying to strip parents of their rights to their own children. So what they're saying is we want you to still pay for these kids, buy their supplies, buy their clothing, feed them, house them, take care of them. But they're not really yours. They're ours. So, what the schools, what the state is telling parents, oh, no, 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 you're not actually a parent, but you're more like the nanny. You, parent, work for us in regard to your child. That's, that's basically what's happening in the state of California. And we saw that just with this one bill that has passed the Senate so far. Let me continue reading here. But what the long inventory, or I already read that, the long inventory of required items does not include the thing every child needs most, his parents, to be notified and involved in what's happening in his life. Sadly, in many public school districts across the country, parents can no longer assume that their decisions about the upbringing, education, and care of their own children will be honored. In these instances, politically motivated school boards and administrators have usurped the role of parents. As we continue to see instances of nationwide of government officials actively seeking to replace parents as the ultimate determiners of what's best for children, it's critical that states step up to enshrine parental rights into law. What kind of rights are we talking about? That's a good question. What kind of rights are we talking about? The right and responsibility of every parent to decide how his or her child is raised. The rights of moms and dads to know what their children are being taught in school and to access and review curricula. It's reasonable to expect parents to be involved in all aspects of their kids' education, including opting a child out of particular lesson on, say, gender ideology, human sexuality, or another sensitive topic so that parents can discuss those topics at home in a way that is consistent with the family's beliefs and values. As parents, we also want to be involved in our kids' extracurricular activities. Whether a child signs up for football or dance, joins the LGBTQ or chess club, every parent has the right to know that information and along with her child decide if that activity is the best fit for the child. So ladies and gentlemen, let me back up right there. Let me look at this for just a moment. I want to talk about this. In the state of California, they are actively working on removing your rights and my rights as parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles so that all the rights for the major decisions, or, or I don't, I'm not even going to say major decisions, just some of the odd, odd decisions 
that govern that young person's life, the state wants to control and remove from parents so that the parents basically basically become the nannies to the state for their own children to do uh, and raise those children on behalf of the state the way the state tells them and commands them to. Otherwise, the child could be removed from their home. And if you don't think that is true, if you think that is just conspiracy, we, I just read to you what the Senate passed with AB, what was it, 957, I think was the, was the, um, was the bill. Yeah, AB 957. So that if you are in a custody battle, mom or dad, and you don't think it's healthy that your little boy or little girl is struggling with their sexual identity, their gender, but the other parent, and think about it, whether they do or don't, that may not be um, really what it comes down to. It's just what they say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no problem with little Billy wearing a dress, where in, in truth they might, but they're just trying to get back at the other parent who says, oh, no, 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 I don't stand for that. It's against my religious beliefs. So, so in a country where the First Amendment guarantees our freedom of religion, the state of California is trying to take away our rights and our expression of the religion of our choice in these types of matters. Because I don't know about you, but in my home, my son's wearing a dress and makeup and wanting to change their boy name to a girl name, wouldn't, it wouldn't fly. I wouldn't stand for it. I'm not saying that these children's life would have been in danger. You know what I would have done? Let me tell you what I've done. I would have loved my children out of that in an appropriate manner and showed them who they really are and why they are that way. I would show them that, yeah, boys cannot be girls, girls cannot be boys. God did not make a mistake and put a girl in a boy's body or a boy in a girl's body. That's foolishness, that's nonsense, that's mental illness. And I would love my children out of that kind of mental illness and bring them to health and wholeness. But the state of California doesn't care about that. They just care about the perversion of it and the grooming of our children in this type of sexual confusion. And if I even remotely said, oh yeah, yeah, that doesn't fly in my house. Oh, we're going to take your child away and put him into a gender affirming home with either mom, if, if we were in a uh, dispute like that, or maybe with some other family or a group home. I want you to think about for just a moment, think about for just a moment, the confusion of a group home designed specifically for gender-confused children. I want you to think about the perversion that would be going on there. Why, why would the state of California think how and why do they think even for a moment that it would be healthy for a child, let's say a 10-year-old child, to go into a group home, let's say there's just 20 of other, uh, 20 other confused, sexually oriented, gender confused children, a group home full of these children that are all confused, operated and run by adults, adults that would <clears throat> affirm that confusion. Why would any adult want to be uh, in a home situation like that, a housing situation like that, with a bunch of children that were confused about their sex and their gender? Well, I'll tell you why. It's called pedophiles. So this whole agenda-affirming nonsense is state-sanctioned pedophilia, and your children and my grandchildren are the target of these pedophile perverts. I'm not trying to lay it on thick. I'm not trying to make something that it's not. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm telling you what's actually happening right now in the state of California. And mom and dad, your rights over your children, whether you realize it or not, or know it or not, are being stripped from you. And at present, handed to school officials, maybe not your local school, but the school boards, the school officials, people in the educational system, and who runs them? The state. And this finds its roots all the way back. You can track this all the way back to Gavin Newsom, governor of California, Democrat. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it right here.
Let me continue reading from this article. Additionally, we are seeing a troubling trend of school districts excluding parents, going so far as to deliberately hide information about their kids' potentially life-altering decisions surrounding their identity, gender, and mental and physical health. It is, it's in kids' best interest for parents to be involved anytime a child faces serious issues at school, whether academic, social, or mental or emotional health. The state of Montana Thank you, Montana, by the way. But the state of Montana recognized the importance of enshrining parents' rights into law and recently enacted gold standard legislation that creates guardrails to prevent the government from interfering with parents' fundamental rights to direct the education, health care, and upbringing of their children. In North Carolina, the legislator recently overrode the governor's veto to, an, to enact strong pro-parent policies. Iowa and Alabama also passed strong parental rights laws. In Oklahoma and Virginia, the respective departments of education issued proposed rules and policies that strengthen parental rights. And in Arizona, parents now have three of the best statutory, statutory protections for their rights. A declaration that parental rights are fundamental, a detailed list of parents' specific rights to access and approve of learning material, and a legal remedy if those fundamental rights are violated. So I want to say kudos. I just want to say thank you to those states that are rising up and saying enough's enough. Those are not our children. Those children belong to their parents and parents have rights. And we're going to put this into law, codify it, so that those rights will never be infringed upon in this state. But California is on completely on the other spectrum end of the spectrum, ladies and gentlemen, completely on the other end of the spectrum. They are actively working right now to strip parents of their rights. This should cause every American, actually not just even Americans, those of you who are listening in Africa, those of you who are listening in Israel, the Middle East, um, those of you who are listening in Europe, those of you who are listening all through the United States of America, Mexico, South America, this should concern even you. You say, well, it's not happening my, in my country or my city, my state. It's not happening here. Not yet. It's not happening there yet. But I want to throw this out. Could you imagine if you were one of these legislators in California that's pushing this nonsense in California? And you might say, well, this is not my problem. That's California. But what if these California legislators suddenly were inundated with people around the globe, not just people in California, but in all 50 states of the United States, people in Mexico, people in South America, Central America, people in Europe, people in the Middle East, all around the globe. What if people just started emailing, emailing these legislators and saying, that is foolish, that is wicked, we won't stand for it. It would really truly send a message that the world is against this. That the world doesn't think this is a good idea. As a matter of fact, in several nations right now, we're finding, including in Europe, and I know other parts of the world, it is illegal to start transitioning children in their gender with the drugs and the um, operations, the surgeries and such. Thank God somebody rose up and said, enough's enough. And there's a few places here in the United States but unfortunately, this is one of those things that the United States should be leading the charge on, and we're falling way behind. And so those of you that are outside of the boundaries of the United States of America, I want to I apologize. This is not me. If I had my way, if I were the president of the United States, I would make sure that this is ended in all 50 states once and for all. And I would draw up legislation that if anybody, such as Gavin Newsom, governor of California, Democrat, tried to push this stuff, he would be rotting in prison somewhere. That's what I would do. So I want to uh, apologize on behalf of the United States of America. And I want to say, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who are in other parts of the world, we will get it together. We will figure this out. Some Americans are about as smart as a box of rocks, and but others aren't. We get it. We understand it. We understand it's wicked. And we're fighting to turn this around. But it would be wonderful. And I'm asking you, please, 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 
find you can you can uh, get this on the internet really easy. You just Google it. Find the legislators in California. You can get their emails real easy. It'll it'll give it to you when you find their websites and such, and email them and tell them knock it off, knock it off. This is wicked. This is evil, and you don't want this anywhere in the world. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the the reason I'm concerned about this, even for those of you who may not be in the United States of America, there's a saying that actually. I had some friends in Africa tell me, the way the United States goes is the way the world goes. If it begins in the United States, it's going to eventually end up somewhere else in the world. And the truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, the way California goes is the way the United States goes. So it all points back to California. That's why California is key and crucial to the overall health of not just the United States of America, but to the globe. Because ultimately, what is allowed to take place in California will be normalized in the rest of the world. So please keep that in mind and help us fight this fight. The reason I'm still living in California, trust me, there's times that I just wake up in the morning and I say, enough is enough. I'm out of here. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to Texas. I'm going to Alaska. I'm going to Wyoming. I'm going to Montana. I'm going anywhere but California. But I also know and realize that I have to stay here at least a little while longer to fight the good fight to bring California back to its senses and to a sense of true morality, not just for the sake of California, but for the sake of the whole United States of America and and for the sake of the rest of the world. Because the way California goes, the United States goes. The way the United States goes, the rest of the world eventually goes. Keep that in mind. So, ladies and gentlemen around the globe, please, I am asking you, go online, Google it, find the California legislators, the Senate, the Assembly in California, okay? Not the United States, but in California specifically, and the governor, Governor Gavin Newsom, and begin to email them and tell them that you're against this and tell them why. So, anyways, let me finish this. Where was I? Oh, Here it is. Other states should join the movement and affirm the pivotal role of parents in the child's life as the promise to America's parents underscores safeguarding parents' rights through the democratic process ensures transparency so that parents know what is going on in their child's life. It gives parents meaningful choices as they guide their child's growth and development. And it empowers parents to hold government officials accountable when they interfere with decision, decisions parents make. By passing parental right laws, legislators from coast to coast can give parents confidence and assurance that they're so valuable. Lawmakers are preserving their ability to do their job well in the state books. Furthermore, when policymakers enact parents' rights legislation, it trickles down much quicker to the local level by prompting school boards to operate with accountability and transparency and to adopt policies that support parents. Let me stop right there again. For the, the, I'm almost through this article, but um, a lot of the school boards that we're finding in America, at least in California, I should say, and in our general area, a lot of these school boards they just do what the state tells them to do. And here's the thing. They don't, they don't have to. At, at, at present, uh, um, right now, the way the law is written and everything, um, the school boards can take certain things from the state, but not everything. But many of the school boards just cave in on everything because they're afraid of the, of the state of California and the legislators of the state of California. And so they cower out. There are a bunch of cowards and a bunch of sissies that just, well, the state says it, so we're going to do it. But And then parents come along and say, but you don't have to do it. Yeah, but you don't understand. The state is saying it, so we're going to do it. But you don't have to do it. Well, but the state says it, we're going to do it. And what they're saying is, we just don't want to be hassled with this. We'd rather deal with you parents who already have had a lot of rights taken away from them than the legislators of California or the governor of California. And I say that every one of those school boards and those school board members that do that need to be swiftly removed. They need to be swiftly removed and have people put in place that actually have a backbone and a little bit of courage and some common sense that will stand against the wickedness. Because I don't care who's telling you to do it. Wrong is always wrong. And standing against what is wrong, what is evil, and what is wicked is always right, regardless of whether or not it's a law 
or not. Even wicked laws need to be need to be rejected. Even wicked laws uh, demand that good people stand against it and say, no, I will not follow that law because that law is evil. That law is wicked. That law is unrighteous. So I'm not going to follow it. We have some school boards in, you know, kind of close to us standing up against it and saying, no, we're not going to listen to the state because what the state is pushing is wrong. And I, I mean, I applaud those school boards. I applaud those presidents or whatever they call them, the head of those, those school boards. I applaud them because you know what they're acting like? They're acting like parents. They're, they're acting the way parents are supposed to act. They're acting like Americans. They're acting normal. They're acting with some decency and they're acting with uh, uh, courage. And it shows that they actually have a spine. They're not facing this spineless, weak and wimpy. That's why I have to take my hat off to uh, Jess, my daughter-in-law, and the people that she works with because they're going to these school board meetings and holding their feet to the fire. They find out what's going on and they say, wait a minute, what's going on here? They praise them when they're doing something good, but they hold their feet to the fire when they're doing something stupid. So you can imagine that these school board members have their feet held to the par- uh, fire quite a bit. It's, it's an interesting thing to watch just how cowardly a lot of people in these positions are. And I'm sick and tired of being around cowards, especially when they're in a position that they're supposed to stand up for our children. And they don't. They cower to some pervert in Sacramento. Well, enough's enough, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to ask you, parents, why are you taking it? Why are you taking it? I mean, just honestly, why are you sitting down taking it? Why are you allowing perverts in Sacramento to determine what your children are or aren't, should or should not be, what they do, and whether or not you are going to know about what's going on in your child's life? Why are you standing up for it? Let me, I'm just going to ask you something, parents. Those of you who don't want to go to the school boards, don't want to stand up, don't want to figure out what's going on, don't want to let your voice be heard for whatever reason, I'm just going to ask you this question. You may think I'm going too far, but ladies and gentlemen, I haven't even begun. I haven't gone far enough. So let me tell you, I haven't even begun. But let me ask you, parents, are you just as twisted and sick and perverted as the California legislators? I mean, really, honestly, sitting back and doing nothing as these perverts groom your children for wickedness and their own lust and perversion? Are you just as bad? Do you not care about your own flesh and blood? Do you not care, moms, about that child that came out of your own body? Dads, do you not care about your sons and your daughters, those who are gonna represent you and carry your name? And your legacy, do you not care? Because I'm beginning to really wonder about this generation of parents in California. Now, ladies and gentlemen, not all, because some of you out there are standing up, going to school board meetings, letting your voices be heard. You've written letters. You've gone down. You've marched down to the principal's office and gave them a piece of your mind. And I love you and I appreciate you and I think you're awesome. I'm speaking to the rest of you. Are you just as pervert, perverted? and sick and twisted as those who are trying to groom your children for their own lusts and perversions? I mean, really, honestly, because I I honestly just can't think of anything else because you say, well, no, we're just lazy. Okay, but that level of laziness is akin to the perversion coming against your children. I I don't know how else to look at it. I really honestly do not know how else to look at it. Those are your Children, those are your children. You know, just here, maybe two weeks ago, I think, about two weeks ago or a week ago or so, two weeks ago, there was, the, uh, in California, they were calling for, uh, oh, I forget exactly what they call it, but basically it's like keep your kids home from school day to send a message so that if a ton of kids didn't show up, you know, they get hit in the pocketbook each school and it says something to not only the teachers and the school administrators, but the school district superintendents and the legislators down in Sacramento. Every kid that was pulled from the school on that day, it sends a message that those parents of those children uh, have had enough. And I, I haven't seen any reports or heard anything of how well or how bad that did. So that tells me it didn't have the impact that many hoped that I hoped it would have. And then it makes me go, wait, 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 well, wait a minute. It's such an easy 
thing, Mom. It's such an easy thing to do. Dad, keep your child from school on those days to send a message that you're not going to put up with the state's nonsense. And many of you couldn't even bring yourself to do that. Why? Do you not care about your children? Do you not care about their future? Do you not care about what these perverts are doing in the school systems? I, I, I just, I'm sorry. I am sorry. I wonder at this. Sometimes I really wonder at this. And if you think I'm being harsh, oh, I'm just holding back because I, there's certain words I do not use. I just, anyway, let me finish reading this because maybe it will hit a nerve with you and you go, yeah. I need to stand up and do something. The person writing this opinion piece says this, no one loves and cares for a child better than his parents. And I agree with that. I totally agree with that. At least I agree with the concept and the idea that the potential of the greater love for a child lies within the parent. Certainly when you compare that to the state or any school administrator, but parents, You've got to start showing that you love your children by doing the hard things, getting involved. And sometimes it's as simple as calling your legislator or your school board and saying enough is enough. Stop. And then maybe take an extra step. And when there's, there, when there's a call for a national walkout of schools, keep your kids home. It's that simple. Take them to the park that day. Take them to the zoo. Take them to a museum. Take them surfing, boogie boarding, uh, skiing, if it's snow season. Take them for a drive. Wrestle with them on the front, um, in the front room on the carpet. Doesn't matter. Spend some time with them. But most important, send a message by keeping them out of school. Is that so difficult? Come on, parents. Rise up and be parents. This article finishes and say... And says, and no parent wants the government telling them what they can and cannot do. The family unit is the pillar of society and parents are the head of that unit. Respecting the rights of parents to be involved in their kids' education and make the best decisions on their behalf transcends political party, religion, race, and economic status. Everyone benefits, especially children, when parents are supported. This is again from Matt Sharp. He serves as senior counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom, or the ADF, and is the director of the ADF Center for Legislative Advocacy. The views expressed in this piece are those of the author and do not necessarily represent those of the Daily Wire, but at the same time, maybe they do. And I agree with what this gentleman, Matt Sharp, has written Totally agree. But it's time, ladies and gentlemen, for us to stop sitting on the couch and being in the dark about these things. It's time for us to figure it out. What are they pushing on our kids? What are they pushing on us? What are they stripping away from us? And what they're stripping away from you. And it doesn't matter where you fall politically. uh, At least in this sense, it doesn't. You can be liberal. You can be conservative, Democrat, um, Green Party. You could be a Republican, you could be the Constitutional Party, whatever party, whatever affiliate, whatever, you know, you could be independent. Whether you vote or you don't vote, wherever your political views fall, it's still wrong. No matter who you are or what party you're part of or who you affiliate with, it is wrong. It is wrong to strip the power and strip parents' uh, rights regards to their children and strip the power away from parents in regard to their own children. Those are your children. Those are your children. You should be able to make all the decisions for their life. What they eat, how much they eat, when they eat, what they wear, how, what, what they wear, wh- um, wh- where they wear it, what type of shoes are on their feet, what type of hat is on their head. You're the one who decides what type of bed they sleep in, how long they sleep. Do they get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, or 10 o'clock in the morning? You're the one that decides that. When your children are sick, you take them to the doctor. You give them medicine. When they're dirty, you make sure they take a bath. When they need a hug and a kiss, you do that. You hug them. You kiss them. You put the Band-Aids on their boo-boos and give them the cookie and reassure them that everything's okay. 
when they're scared at night and they feel like there's a boogeyman or a monster under the bed, you're the one that goes in there and proves to them there's no monster. They have nothing to be worried about. You are the parents. You're the ones that do that for them. You protect them. You keep them safe. You go to work every day so that you can buy them the things that they need and many of the things that they want. And just as this article opened up and the schools still require this of most parents, you're the one that sends little jo- your little Johnny or little Sally or whatever your children's name are. You send them to school with pencils, erasers, rulers, um, you know, uh, sippy cups if they need it, you know, Capri Suns, juice boxes, whatever it is, you send them there. You put shoes on their feet and send them out the door. You make sure that they have a healthy breakfast, or at least I hope you Make sure they have a healthy breakfast. You take care of them. So how dare anybody, especially someone from the state, someone from the government, that after you do all of that for your own children, those little miniature yous that you brought into this world, how dare anybody from the government, state, county, city, federal, whatever, step in and take away your rights. Take away your rights when it comes to your children on any level, especially those areas that may or may not go against your religious beliefs, your values, your value systems, and what you are trying to instill into your children's life. One of the things that I really desperately wanted to instill in my children's life is that my sons were actually male men or growing to be men, and thank God they're there. And that my girls were actually just that females, girls. I was trying to instill something that would keep them away from that type of mental illness. I did not want them to struggle in those areas. So how dare the state step in or a school board step in or some administrator with the school or anybody else step in and undermine my authority and my belief system that I'm instilling in my own children, my own children how dare they it would never have it would never have taken uh taken off in my home not around me so why is it in yours stand up parents make a stand say enough is enough go to the school boards and 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 meetings and you tell them enough is enough we're not going to put up with it you walk into your that campus where you send your child regardless of the age you tell those administrators, you tell the principal, you tell the vice principal, you tell every, every administrator, we're not putting up with it. We are not putting up with it. And if you find out, you tell them, if I find out that you withheld any information from me regarding my child, I don't care how big or how small it is, I'm going to get the meanest, ugliest lawyer and we're going to own you. This school will bear my name by the time I'm done with you. So how dare you? Don't you dare. Come on, we need more parents like that with some backbone, some guts, and some courage. We need that. I want to close with this little story. Years ago, this is, goes back many, many, many years, even uh, back before my wife and I was married. So this probably is about 40 years old, this story. At the church that my wife and I met in and then eventually got married in, the pastor there, he was a great guy. Great guy, true pastor in the sense of true shepherd. He protected the people of his church and he was a little bit high strung, but nonetheless, he loved the people and he stood strong for them. So a little girl goes into um, into a school, public school that was going, like I said, this goes all the way back ooh, 40 plus years, okay, or more, maybe a little bit more. Anyways, uh, the teacher in, one, in her classroom found out that she was a Christian because of some report or something that she had to write. And she chose to write on one of the books of the Bible. And when she did, the teacher basically gave her an F and says, you got to go read one of these books if you want to get your grade up, blah, 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 simply because it was the Bible. All right. And this was a little girl, like in grade school. And the little girl was heartbroken and went home crying because of this. The mom was so distraught because it's like, how dare they say this about my child and the Bible? All right. So she called the pastor and told the pastor, listen, I don't know what to do. Please pray for me. The next morning... The pastor met the mother and the little girl at the school. And the three of them marched into the office. And that pastor got in the face of the principal and demanded that principal call that teacher into that office at that moment. And they weren't leaving until he spoke to that, to, to all of them. And the principal was reluctant at first. And he says, I'm not leaving. I don't think you understand. I am not leaving this place until we speak to that teacher. So they called the teacher in. The teacher came in. 
and he read them the riot act. Oh my gosh, he got into their face. He was yelling and screaming at them for their, their um, bigotry, the way they treated this little girl, their policies that wouldn't allow the word of God, the Bible, on that campus and to be used in that way, which was discriminating against them religiously and, and was going against their uh, First Amendment rights. Oh, he read them the riot act stuck his finger in that teacher's face and stuck his finger into that principal's face and says, if this ever happens again to this little girl, or if I find out this happens to any child in this school again, I will be in here with a team of lawyers, with a team of lawyers. We'll make sure that you guys pay and it'll never happen again. Am I clear? They were so apologetic to that pastor, to that parent, to that little child, and to the best of my knowledge, never happened at least for a long time because somebody was willing to go down there and get in their face and say enough's enough. What you did was wrong. What you did was evil. What you did was unconstitutional and illegal based upon that. And he read them the riot act. Ladies and gentlemen, it shouldn't be some random pastor from 40 or 50 years ago that does this. This should be every parent, every parent, anytime these types of things happen in the schools towards their children. Parents, stand up. You have that right. You have that authority. Those are your children. Go fight for them. Thank you for choosing Table Flippers Podcast. To find our merchandise page, go to gwcclancaster.org. Then find the Table Flippers link, click on it, and it'll take you right there. Until next time, have a fantastic day. Say goodbye, Chippy. Goodbye!